Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. It's episode three of the 22-23 season and much like the football club, we've had quite a slow start to the season. Uh, we're, we're nine league games in and we've only managed three pods, including this one. John, do we think the team's performances directly impact our willingness to pod or do you, is it something else entirely? I think this public stern word with ourselves will do the trick. Um, I mean, not that I want us to do badly, but I don't mind picking apart a bad performance and all that. So I'm, I'm all for it. Let's let's pod. What, what about you, Jack? Do you feel does it take down the the joy? Are we just do we just end up being mindless whinges or? Um, I think there's an underlying theme around the club, yet alone ourselves, is a bit of apathy, perhaps, and perhaps we're a little bit guilty of falling into that trap as well. But we can make it right in the next. I was going to say in the next 60 minutes, but it'll probably be longer than that, let's be realistic. It's a good I, I, word. There's a there's definitely a, a vibe around, and it's it does seem like it's filtering out beyond the results, but then obviously the results prompt a lot of the other things, but it it's, does feel a bit more than that. I'm going to acknowledge now that I'm not going to be able to... I'm going to be probably fickle and terrible. So if I acknowledge it now, then it's, it's okay. As you say, though, I've never heard wasn't it the game after the... Um, the MK game at the weekend. I haven't heard such a phone in for a long, long time. Um, but we'll get to that when we get to it, I guess. Right. Um, no Connor. Don't know where Connor is. Connor, hope you're okay. Ben's still not around. Ben, again, hope you're doing well. Um, what we got to do today. So we're we're going to talk a bit about, um, we'll have, I think we're, the fact that there's no news is news in itself. So we might just have a quick chat about that. Um, we'll look at the squad and injuries. Um, we'll go through fixtures. We haven't done, every time we pod now. There's like ten games to go through, so we're 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 rattling through from Morecambe, which feels like an age ago, which it was, um, through to the MK game. Um, but mainly, we'll be talking about common themes and that type of thing across the games. And as as I was just alluding to there, the kind of reaction on the back of the MK match. Um, we'll have a quick look at what's going on across League One, and then we'll we'll have a brief look at um, the game against Charlton. Uh, that's that's next time out for us. Um, so on to news. Yeah, there's not too much noteworthy stuff going on. Um, just wanted to have, have a quick. Actually, saw. Yeah, I haven't seen this, boys. Who's dropped in notes of news? News happens Jack, today. Jack, Jack, you are hosting the news. You can become the next Moira Stewart. Um, I was just trying to think of her voice, but I can't do it. Um, I wouldn't recommend trying. I that. mean, you, you have summed it up rather well. There's nothing massive going on, um, which is rather summed up by how much coverage has been of the team photo at Blending Palace this morning. Um, I watched a four-minute-long video about exactly, it earlier, exactly. which did have an interesting snippet about how apparently from Chris Williams that some managers, they will leave out players that they don't fancy. And he referenced them like Leo Roger was left out and then went on to become club captain like three months later. And I think he was in our worst ever Oxford lineup, which we did donkeys years ago. So it's um, that was a bit of an interesting snippet. But I did wonder why I was watching a four minute long video about a team picture. Was it a nice picture? I haven't seen it yet. It was a Blenheim. Like, you know, it's obviously a lovely place, but... Yeah. Who looked the best? Um... 
<laughs> well, they all look like they all blend. It was, they all it was look, a bit of a they all cheerle- look lovely. Cheerleader effect because they all look the same. Don't they? Someone, someone has pointed out on Twitter though um, that the middle row is not very well organised. Rather than having two goalkeepers on each of KR's shoulders, not not on his shoulders, but behind his shoulders, um, they've kind of squashed them together. So it looks lopsided if KR's supposed to be in the middle of the picture. Oh, you see, if we symmetry, you need if, symmetry. If we were winning, that wouldn't have come up. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. How, how long can we talk about that? Let's get the whole squad up and John can talk about all of their heights and then we can pick the most suitable position. John, who should be far back, back left, second from the left? Well, I thought it was a disgrace that Goran didn't get the shout for that position. <laughs> what is KR doing? Right. Done. Right, it's gone. Move on. Jack, what's next in the news? Uh, Chris Short's back. He's uh, sacked off his HEV driver course and has come back as a part-time fitness coach. So... Okay. Uh, Good. Good That's news. exhilarating. Uh, we're getting a new scoreboard, more but that, news. we probably don't need to use that because we're hardly prolific at the minute. Tell us more about the score. Yeah, very good. Well, um, any <sighs> any specifics on the scoreboard? Uh, it's going at the fence end rather than in the corner. Is it made out of glass from Bangkok or anything else? It is coming from China, which is not it's, Thailand, obviously. The same place, but. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Good, okay. Um sorry, did you say the scoreboard's going it's always at the fence end, isn't it? No, but it's going actually behind the goal at the fence end, apparently. Uh, okay. Well like raised up. I I I, I assume so. Well can you bring us an update for the next pod, please? I I will let you know what type of LED lighting it is and how it's being plugged in as well. Thank you. I want to know energy efficiency is probably quite important at the moment as well. Um, lovely stuff right John stadium and takeover stuff so as people's frustrations for gr- were growing um, in relation to the team and people well people's attention started heading back towards what's going on with the the takeover what's going on with the stadium um, anything to worry about there it is a little bit it has gone very quiet hasn't it I think if you take take the results out of it so let's say they were just average results and we were all kind of happy enough. It is still quite weird that all the all the messaging is kind of like, essentially, look, it's basically done. It's just about some shares have been moved around. I believe that, you know, the company house stuff, people have sniffed that out and seen mm-hmm. various things have moved around. The odd directors come in and it's all, it's with the, I think we've had the, it's with the EFL to get signed off. Well, all right, the EFL, we joke about the EFL, but so the, the fact it's, Dragging on does suggest there is something there that means it's that's fundamental to it that hasn't got the T's and the I's crossed. So that is interesting and I wouldn't say concerning, um, but you also think that we're in a crunch period around the stadium because they're talking about planning applications needing to be in by start of next year. Hmm. And that's, you know, basically two months to the end of the year or two, three months to the end of the year. So I'm not worried, but it's given it's being spun as such a simple thing to happen why is it happening and taking so long yeah part of me jack thinks that they are maybe just hoarding a load of stuff to then go with at once so it's a dramatic do you know what i mean rather than like drip feeding bits and pieces they'll announce the first they'll 
I don't know, maybe show prototypes for the stadium whilst announcing the takeover completed. And I think they rather shot themselves, well, in the face really, with with how big they went with the initial kind of Telegraph article, the Oxford Mail backwards yeah. interview on Radio Oxford, because like John says, if you if you look on Company's House, it just shows a re-shifting of shares between um, Bakri, Thohir, Geica, and they, those shares have come from Tiger, basically. So it's still the same people involved and holding shares. It's just the amounts they each hold has changed. So it's not a, it's not a takeover where someone is buying the club completely separate owning group. And I think how big they went, what, 18 months, two years ago, has probably put more weighting on this cloud that currently exists. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the club website does say more than 10% of shares are owned by XYZ, um, which is different to what it used to say. So uh, I don't know. It is, it's very odd, though, because even if um, Bakri is now the lead shareholder or whatever, he's he's been very quiet considering he gave an interview, you know, a year ago saying how looking forward to it he was. The thing I find interesting about Bakri, that was a purposeful video interview, wasn't it? It was quite a random thing for us to have. But within that, he also talks about all of these aspirations on the stadium and everything else tied very closely into needing to be a championship club, if you recall. So it is... Is interesting. We'll get on to squads and transfers and depth and everything else. But I mean, I, I think yeah. it, 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 it certainly seems to be almost the life support machine of the club now is Stratfield break gets granted or we are in a rather large hole because who's going to come in with a stadium that we're not getting if permission was declined? I've had put the money in to cover the debts that have been built up. It mm. really does feel like a proper tipping point. I do wish, and I think it was KR that said it, so maybe it's... I do wish that top 30 comment had never been said. <laughs> it's becoming a noose that everything gets sort of thrown about. And, yeah, it, it, sorry, <laughs> the side rant. No, no, know what you mean. The the fact that Jerome was saying in the build-up to the MK game that the five-minute fans forum was coming back, maybe from this week. Um, So... Not sure who's going to be doing that, but you can imagine the line of questions. I'd just be surprised if there's anything too significant um, kind of delivered within that very, very short time time period. I kind of wish it was like more of a 20-minute fans forum instead. Because five minutes, you just can't get through anything, can you? So it's not just going to be... Not quite as catchy, the 25-minute no. fan forum. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway... Um, right, transfer. Has it, we've really not podded properly since the window closed. <laughs> has, it been, has it been that long? I don't know. Um, let's talk about it. So KR's comments once it, um, once it, I think a lot of us were tuning in, hoping that we got a load of business done um, on deadline day, but it was only Anderson um, who had the the prestigious pass. John, you were probably very excited with the, the Italian connection and Lazio referenced nine appearances for Lazio. Very, I was very excited about the, the Lazio and I've spent a lot of time messaging people. I knew saying we're bringing someone in from Lazio, mainly like Man United fans who, you know, thought it was slightly interesting. Um, I mean, I've got so many questions about this signing because I cannot believe he was like 
on the board in the scouting room for the right backs we're after. I do think part yeah. of the part of the frustration that is boiling through at the moment, the transfer window, or suppose sorry, call it the transfer window deadline day, is fueling a lot of it because the rest of the activity in the transfer window, pretty good generally. Mm-hmm. Um, if you discount the fact players got injured, etc. Um, but equally, it just feels like there was an expectation and an agreed expectation across the fan base as to what we needed to come in, i.e. a left-back, a right-back, maybe a CDM, maybe a striker. Yeah, and all right, everyone says exactly the same thing on that note as well. Yeah. You wouldn't and go all, and, an Oxford fan that wouldn't be able to reel that off. Yeah, and chaos within his rights to go, well, just because you not think that <laughs> doesn't mean I have to sign them, but it's been it's pretty evident to most that's what was, was sort of needed. Um, and we didn't really do any of those things and Anderson hopefully turns into a cult, Matteo Corbo, <laughs> Powell London, foreign, you know, transfer. But it doesn't exactly give you much confidence because why, how, <laughs> why are we signing him on a, I think he's on a two year as well. On a, it was a permanent as well for a player that's, you know, not managed more than 25 games at a particularly... Uh- decent level i mean he's kind of that's the only thing i'm looking at now i hadn't really stared at his when players have had nearly a 10-year career in the professional game after a youth career at ajax no less you'd expect more was he played like 60 70 games at best or something like that throughout his whole career in 10 years i don't know he interviewed very well and he sort of mentioned you know basically did sound genuine enough that he just hasn't been in the right place at the right time and the, the things fall in the right place. I buy that a little bit because if you are bouncing around a bit between clubs, you, you kind of need to land at the right time and you know get into a team and hit the ground running, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, but it's still... And some loan, loan periods will never be 30 games, obviously. Um, but it, yeah, it's not... It's not sort of an obvious sort of, oh, great, here we go. It's a... Uh, well, that's just a bit of an unknown as a right back. So we basically got two fullbacks, left and right side, where for each position, where none of them are that convincing, really. And that's before you get into the whole sudden debate of surely the plan wasn't that he would be our number one for this for this season after we binned him out. I'm not. Sure. I'm not so sure. I think KR committed to sudden relatively well, I, early. No, no, I don't disagree with that theory. I kind of half feel it as well. Um, but it's, you know, he's yet to kind of fully show it. Yeah. Um, Anderson's come on, hasn't he, now, for a couple of, is it one or two appearances? Plymouth, Plymouth, he made his debut. Yeah. I think, I, and it's during it was, one of our random subs. We, we seem to be making quite random strings of substitutions late in games at the moment where you try to pick apart what we're actually doing. But um, Jack, did KR or anyone come out with any details on the deal that was missed so we were looking at another player um but apparently someone got injured at the club they were at so then they couldn't let yeah him go. the um alan nixon journalist who is semi-reliable seemed to suggest it was tom pierce a left back from wigan and that will look to um go again in january so to speak but i think my, my take on the transfer window is a bit like john actually that if we'd have signed Josh Murphy, Carl Joseph on deadline day, then you'd finish with that kind of positive side to it. But because that last 
10 days or so was a bit of a shambles because we'd got the kind of wingers done. We'd brought the striker in. He'd had the random goalkeeper come in. He'd had these kind of headline names. Brannigan had signed his contract. Moore had signed a contract, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But we still got to deadline day needing a left back that we've needed for 18 three, months. Three years. Three, well, yeah, yeah. 18 months being kind. We need a right back that we've needed. You know, we let Ford go in the window after giving him a new contract. You know, there's so many kind of decisions that haven't linked up throughout the window that you just come away thinking, what happened? How how did it transpire that publicly it just looked like a complete mess? Yeah. What what? How do you reckon Carl Joseph's got on, Jack? He runs about a lot, doesn't he? Um, Does run about. He misses some chances as well. I, I, I mean, he's young. This is the problem. He's, you know, he's come in. He's arguably having to be number one striker because Taylor's got injured. Bulldog's been out since day one. So he's having to play the, the main striker role. I don't think he's ready enough to do that in the style we want to play and the ambitions we've got. That being said, he's got some goals, so you can't knock him, but he just looks a little bit um, still quite raw. Yeah, it was only that Plymouth miss, wasn't it, for me? that was. I know he's had another miss since, but that um, it was that Plymouth one that he, uh, was, was a shame. I didn't think he was good in that, well... Plymouth game is all, is all right. MK looked... I didn't think he had a good game against MK at all. Some of his hold-up play, it was kind of simple stuff, was really breaking down. Looked kind of lively enough in the earlier games, but again, they were against weaker teams. Um, it's a shame Taylor's injured because he's... As you say, if he's the sole striker, then it's really not, you know, promotion-chasing type material. Do you, do you not think with a, a guy, he's got a bit more of a physical presence and he's he's probably a bit quicker and more I don't know but I, I just wonder if again he would be better with two wingers playing off him type thing but yeah, I don't know maybe he's also, not that type of player but I guess I like we haven't really been goes, able to see that I like the fact he goes into the channels and in theory you can knock a ball up to him a little bit more than you could with, with Taylor which sometimes just has but, to be an option when you're playing badly like you just yeah. have to do that the problem is which we've had even when Taylor's playing well when Taylor or Joseph playing as a sole striker run into the channels, there's then a huge reliance on the midfield to be in the box. Um, and certainly this season, that's not happening. And it hasn't in previous seasons. So it feels like we've got the right players in the squad, largely, when fit. But we're not actually sure how we get the the 11 best of that squad to play together in what formation and what style. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we feel like we're stuck. Yeah. Sort of, and I'd say, say this was a theme across all games. We're stuck between styles and ways of wanting to play, we're stuck between formations, which is to a degree player-driven, but not necessarily. And then you've got other things which we'll get, we'll get onto that just aren't happening within the games and the teams where we're playing. Yeah. It's... Um... It's telling, isn't it? Now, now we have moved to the five, where the whole left back, right back thing just becomes even more. I don't know. It just emphasises that when you've got James Henry on one side and Brown on the. I know Brown was seemed excellent in that kind of left back position towards the back end of last season, but not as a wing back where they're meant to be kind of sat, you know, far deep up the pitch type of thing. But anyway, we'll get to that. Um. 
Jody Jones is an interesting one. Has he got any minutes for Malta thus far? Uh, they don't uh, play. They don't play till the weekend. But he's training with them definitely. That's a weird one for me. Again, had kind of good reception and feedback from Coventry fans when he left. He's kind of should be fit, I guess. He's been training enough. He had a bit of a preseason. John, do you think it's a bit of a weird one? Because when you've got Marcus Brown fit and we're we're potentially wanting to go back to a four three three, couldn't you have Brown and um Jones either side of Joseph type thing and Bowden in behind, whatever it might be? Yeah, it was brought massively to the to the surface what a, perhaps an underlying issue we had there in that when we needed some any form of pace in the team in the earlier games, Jones was the only one that was technically around, supposedly fit, and he couldn't get into the team at all. Um, it's turning into a bit of a saga, really, because, yeah, all right, yeah, he's had a full preseason. That's not match fit, in inverted commas. Um, he's had coming back from significant injuries. But he should be fit. I just, it just feels like he should have been further forward from where he is unable to at least be an option and getting more 20, 30 minute spells. And the fact KR's had to effectively call him out yeah. saying he needs to work harder for someone who should be gleeful <laughs> that he's got a contract and he's able to play, which he seems to be generally, he seems like a nice guy and well-respected and loved by commentary fans, as you said. So what's going on there? It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, I, I just don't really understand what's that. It, it has the vibe of, um, I guess KR used to call out, it was Aji and Sykes, wasn't it, at one point? But maybe there's a little bit of that and it's how the player then reacts to the critique and sometimes public critique and you don't know what what impact Jones is then having you know, on the training ground type thing. But it'll be interesting to see. But it just looks, yeah, it looks bizarre from the outside. It, again, we're having to stick with this kind of 5-3-2 type formation when potentially you've got the players to go back to a more familiar attacking um, set up, especially when you're playing some of the weaker teams that we've been playing or teams that are struggling for confidence. Um, Jack, do you reckon Jones will get back in the side or get in the side and do anything? If you had to predict now. No. I, no. I, I, but, I mean, the, the real test is if he plays minutes for Malta and gets some decent reviews, does he get a look in for Charlton? Or because some of these injured players are supposed to be back for Charlton, does that just mean he's marooned until January? It's it's just so odd. Hmm. That would make it even more brilliantly bizarre if he's had to have an international call-up to get minutes to get fit to play for us. I mean, that's mental in itself. Who have Malta got? Uh, hold on, come back to me in a minute. Is that disappointed, Jack. Why don't you know the Maltese fixture? Uh, they're away in Estonia on Friday. And then at, ho- uh, then at home to Israel. So they're playing two massive footballing nations. Okay. Israel used to be all right. Yossi Ben-Ayoun. Insert other names. Good. Um, Oisin Smith. Didn't go out on loan. He was kind of bigged up pre-season for big things. Um, what's he actually doing then? Is he just play? Is he even getting in some of the development sides and getting reviews? The development side don't, haven't added a game yet, I don't think. So he's basically not kicked a ball since pre-season. 
Did we bring him in with the same level of clout as like a McNally? It wasn't like that type no. of signing, was it? Or the keeper, McGinty. It, it, was, it was very more... much of the feel of like he's following in the footsteps of the players before him. But I mean, he's a midfielder, so I think that's a harder position yeah. to come into. I think, well, I think coming to full-time football or certainly close to it. I mean, it's a shame that he didn't have that immediate kind of, you know, threw him in and he was took to it and here we are with a potential option. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, again, it's just gone very quiet. Yeah. Um, so we talked about left-back, talked about Anderson coming in. So hopefully that, that works out and we see a bit more of him. Maybe Sam Long drops into the centre-back, which I still think he's looked better at in recent recent times and then Anderson maybe plays out but I suppose that on the right but that depends on the rest of the team and who's available um John you're always keen to talk about the CDM position but Gorin's not really getting a look in either which means that this debate of McGuane kind of comes back into play potentially but well, it's kind of, it's doesn't kind even of another... feel like it's on the cards or anywhere near yeah it's kind of another mystery or well, it's not really a mystery I mean it's the fact that KR's decided that that's the role McGuane's going to play. And we had the uh, argument, let's say, about it on the last pod about the fact that some of us thought McGuane's, that's not the position McGuane should be playing in, not saying he's not been excellent playing it. Um, but for me, I, I don't understand why we shouldn't be moving towards Gorin being in, back in that position because we know that has to provide stability and focus in the past. So... Um, and he's not getting any sort of fifteen minute spells. Admittedly, we're chasing most games, so you don't necessarily bring yeah, going exactly, on. Yeah. That's kind of probably answered my own question there. But um for me, he's he needs to be more in consideration for a starting place, assuming he's fit, which we've heard no noises suggest he's not got any sort of overhanging thing. Went Sunderland after him in the summer. Well, this is, the, this is the thing. We, the, if you believe all the talk, we went back to him with an improved contract offer from the one that we'd initially offered him. So for him to then have played the same amount of games as John Massinho at this stage in the season is odd in itself, seeing mm. as we at least appeared on the, the face of it to try really hard to get him to sign. Yeah. Another player that's not getting many minutes, Luke McNally, after coming on as a sub in Burnley's opening game, I think. And then um, hasn't even made the squad for the last few games. And um, I found, I just searched McNally on Google and put news. And then there was a write-up from uh, one of the local Burnley papers basically saying, referring to him as a flop already. <laughs> and so I was like, That's, that can't be a thing after. But they've signed multiple centre-backs, haven't they? And then they've just, I, I, I you expect he'll go on loan in January, don't you? Because... They'll get embedded into the club, be training with the players, get to know company and friends, and then he'll be off in January on a loan. And then he kind of has that Burnley sense of what, how they're going to want him to play. So you can kind of see it. Yeah, it's, complete, that it's way. a complete bonus for Burnley if he plays any minutes now and you know slightly takes to it. Otherwise, yeah, what do they, what do they expect? It's, would- it's different to Dicky and. Um, Atkinson, isn't it? You, you felt he was good enough. I don't know. Well, it's an interesting one because Burnley are almost signing the equivalent of when we signed Dickey in the sense that Dickey had had loan spells at Cheltenham and Lincoln. So he'd had first team football, 
his first taste of first team football in England wasn't with us, whereas with McNally it was. So Burnley are almost the equivalent of us signing um, players yeah, who've got yeah. a bit more experience. But yeah, you would you would hope if when McNally does go out on loan in January, well, it's not going to be to a championship team. It's going to be a League One team if he stays in the UK. You'd hope that we are at least interested. We bloody hope so. Yeah, I'd be I'd be devastated if he rocks up at Wickham or something. Um, or if he went to Italy, you could do your impression again. McNally. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Oh, it's because Conte, Conte was apparently interested. I forgot. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, Josh Johnson signed a two-year deal. I didn't see the Palace game, um, but yeah, he was meant to meant to do really well. But haven't seen much of him since. Has he been making the squads? No, I'm not sure actually. Our benches have looked pretty rogue in recent weeks, so I've not been paying much attention to them. Um, potentially a hot prospect for us, though. Another another thing. Uh, John Simon Eastwood has, uh, in an interview, remodelled himself as a sweeper keeper. Um, and I was saying on the the WhatsApp the other day that I can't remember a game. It feels like every game he's up in the opposition penalty area trying to score a goal, and that's kind of my take of Simon Eastwood this season because that's happened five times. Because every game that we've lost, which is what five in the league, it's only been by one goal. So. And we're often getting. He just seems to always be up there, which is a sad, a like sad you, thing. Like you say, it should be like, uh, "Oh, the keeper's gone up for <laughs> like thing." Not it's just not. Oh yeah, of course he's in the box. <laughs> you say, here, like, we, here we are again. <laughs> um, but I mean, I get it from where he's coming from, and yeah, he's he is kind of a keeper of you know maybe four or five years ago where it was just like do your job, shot stopping first, and then now we. We live in this space, which is projected from the leagues upon high, of a keeper needing to do a lot, a lot more. And if you can do it, great. If you can't, then it's it's what's the level of risk. And Eastwood performances this season, you, you still you are seeing him a lot further out of his goal, kicking a lot more. Whether it's adding much to us and actually finding the people with it, because our defense yeah. is sitting pretty deep anyway. We've got three centre backs. It's it's not really kind of. Don't necessarily need a sweeper keeper as as much um, players. That, we haven't got the player to br- the players to bring it out from the back unless McGuane drops right back in. And we yeah, haven't men- mentioned Finley yet, have we? But I'm still the every, <laughs> the more games that go. I was very excited when we signed him, but the more games that go by, I'm just not. It's his pace and his carrying the ball. And then Tony, who's been at some of the games recently, was saying um, his passing as well just seems off. And so I haven't heard anything that's made me, I don't know. Not sure. I mean, I don't, I mean, it's, yeah, the passing, like you can see generally that's, he's tried a few crossfields and it's just a bit painful at times. I still think, I think he's slightly affected by the level of how the team is playing. And so the ima- person next to him probably. Yeah. And I imagine yeah. you'll see him in the future looking kind of like that Rolls Royce he did against Derby. And I and I think he is a he's a centre back, and I don't think we're necessarily getting what we thought we paid for because we're getting basically a high quality, sort of touch tight defender, someone who's good in a battle, going to win a lot of headers. 
he doesn't look like he's going to be that sort of takes the ball out, does much more than that. I think he's going to be sort of a lead by example, call it old school centre back, which maybe our expectations are much higher in the thing. But I think he's being dragged down, as are a number of other players, by how well the rest of the team is playing. And that's kind of a problem that if you've got a lot of players and need everyone else to be playing at a level, then that's part of it. But yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm still not. You could argue it the other way, though. That now's that when we're playing, when we're under a lot of pressure and conceding, and the ball's spending a lot of time in our half, he's got more opportunities to still come out looking. I swear, right. even though we can, sit, we barely kept any clean sheets in recent years, right? We went on awful runs, but yeah, some we still had centre backs prospering and doing well. But yeah, I'm know. not. I'm not kind of playing. I'm not defend. I'm not defending. I, I don't think it's. I think it's some challenges there and some mistakes and the, and the like but um i'm just trying to give jack some cover because he picked him for player of the season <laughs> well i think a lot of the reason why mcguane is playing the, the sitting role is because finley was never going to be a mcnally or a dickie or an atkinson who's going to bring the ball out 20 yards and my my, my thoughts on mcguane are still the same i'd rather he's impacting the game 20 Start yeah. getting the ball twenty yards further at the pitch and then driving on. 100%. Um, I think Finley is a is the style of centre back we've been missing in recent years. He's a bit more of a brute than we've had, mm. but equally, I don't think he's hit the heights that he that he has done in his career previously. But we've chopped and changed that back four or five that many times already this season. It's not much of a surprise that he looks a bit ropey. Because I was yeah. getting, I was getting coming back to the McGuane thing. I was getting frustrated watching the M- MK game back because McGuane would get into quite nice positions, maybe like 40, 40 maybe that's about the halfway line, call it. And he would take the option of, he would retain the ball, have a bit of space, and then he would basically play the safer option, which was kind of playing the ball back or across, when you'd kind of want him to burst into the space, drive forward, maybe try a dribble or a through-the-lines pass or whatever. You could You could kind of think, one, it was either a lack of confidence or he was saying, well, I'm playing central defence in midfield. I can't take, I can't do that because if I lose it, then there is no one in front of the defence. So you're missing, you're getting a great performances out of him as, as a central defence in midfield. And he looks like one of the few players who actually wants the ball most of the time at the moment. But you're losing a lot of him, what he could be going, adding further forward because he's got presence and he's got something going on. So that's, that's all part of this thing that we'll come on to about midfield and balance and issues and that. Yeah. Just to wrap up squad stuff and reference, I know we've kind of talked about the um, the window actually being pretty good, and but you've got Josh Murphy, Bulldog, Taylor's now injured, Ellie Moore's injured, um, Wild Shut is, is out for the foreseeable. What the the narrative's a bit confusing because, and I, we'll go on to the games in a second. But the thing I'm still struggling with is we're playing pretty badly in every game, even the ones we're winning. We're not playing great, and but I look at the lineup and I think that is a really average, if not bottom half, League One side that we're putting out, and I don't know. But then the, the, our expectation is that we're putting teams you know to the sword and we're we're rolling teams over and whatever the performances are there so i kind of feel for kr in that regard because i understand 
like that the lineups just aren't great and we're compromising on our formation there's no identity in the team because there's no consistency in the the lineup but, like, but is, is the lineup that that bad because like Elliot i think Moore, i think it is Elliot Moore comes in no question asked fine um and then all right we you know get into formation stuff but let's say you go to 4-3-3 it's only probably one of the other wingers that maybe comes in and then obviously Taylor comes back so right Taylor and more are big misses I get that but Taylor was a bit off form anyway I, I think it I know what you mean it is a, it's a some of the parts and that the big the big players drag bring everyone up and all that but I still sort of think it's more about we should be doing better with what we've got even regardless of losing injuries and pace being massive if you don't have it. I think well, if you if you take... Sorry, Jack, you go. I was going to say, I think it comes back to if we sit here now and go, where's Billy Bowden's best position? Don't know. Where's James Henry's best position at this stage in his career? Not sure. We haven't tried him in the 10 role this year. He normally does quite well there. So where's Bowden, Kieran... Bowden should be 10. Bowden's a 10. and that He did okay. In a, I remember that game against well, Plymouth last season when he played as sort of left of the three. And that kind of worked. But I guess, you know, he had a Brown rampaging on the other side. And that's, you know, we've only just got Brown back. But equally, why have we played Brown as a 10 so many times when he doesn't work there? When he should be on the right or the left. And it's how many times has he kind of squared a defender up or knocked it and run in the last couple of games? Uh, it's Yeah. I, I think there's four or five changes to the starting eleven that we had against Milton Keynes. At least four. If but, you can and Bowden, by the way, has had a shocking start to the season based on how he finished last season. But then the underlying question is what formation do you play them in? And it's mental that we can have be having that conversation after what was going to be our tenth league game. I guess though what I'm, yeah. I get what I'm saying though is if if you did to your point, you made it earlier and again. Like if you, if you did try and force our best players into that, so what what do you reckon that would look like? Because I still think if you go back to four three three and you got Taylor in the middle, you're putting Marcus Brown on one side, and what Murphy or Wildshirt on the other. You would think, which then, if Bowden's on form, he's probably sitting in a. Well, I quite liked um, I quite like the four two three one that we've we've played. So you have. You then you so you could have you either have Gorin, Gorin and Brannigan as the two, and you could have McGuane, Bowden, and Brown, or you could have McGuane and Cam Brannigan as the two, and then Brown, Bowden, and let's say Murphy. Yeah, I'm, I think three. that's a good. Yeah. Um, so that's an option, or you just go, or for me, you go raw three through three, and it's Gorin, McGuane on the left, Brannigan on the right, and then it's Brown, Taylor, Bowden, or Murphy. Possibly, um, I see. Then... I don't. I don't think it's that hard to get them into that. I think you're right. Like four three three or four two three one, with a couple of options of Brown or sorry of Murphy or Wildshot or whatever. I, I just don't think it's that hard to to craft that team. So back to the point I was making is I just don't think. Um, I still I still look at that team we played, and you've got Moose in there, Finley still finding his feet, and like you say, maybe he doesn't operate well when the, the players around him aren't doing as well it is um, striking and i'm i i only say this from sort of looking at other teams lineups and how they've started it and you know apps get these things wrong and then formations change during the games and things but it's striking how many teams play three at the back 
now. It's very much the on-trend formation. And I do wonder whether part of this, where we are now, is is a sort of a matching up type of yeah. thing as, as well, amongst the fact that, in theory, that's where the width will come through the wing-backs and we haven't got a base at the moment, yada, yada, yada. But... Did, did you look at that formation on Saturday, Jack, and think, this is going to be a good game? Because I didn't. And I, I, just, I just, I was... Well, uh, KR started the summer talking about how he's got this shape change idea. We sell McNally and he goes, oh, well, we can't play that shape anymore because we've got rid of McNally. And then actually we're, we are now playing that shape despite not having enough players for the positions that are their position. So you just think, how are, we, how are we still in the mess from May that we knew was a mess because it was reliant on seemingly having McNally in the side? And you've now, you're now forcing James Henry, who's never been the quickest player in his life anyway, to play wing-back. You're making Kieran Brown, who's a you know pretty brutish centre-back, really, play on the left wing-back position. And then you you reliant so much on the midfield, of which probably one of your most creative players is sat in the holding role. And before yeah. that, you were saying that Seddon and Long would have been your wing backs, of which Seddon at best is a wing back out of those two. Long is not. Yeah, so that, so that was always a random one for me. And I think both you and Jack and I have ranted about it privately. Is that last few games we could have played a four three three? We had about just about had enough personnel to do it. And we didn't. Yeah. Um. So we drew with Morecambe one all. That's where Joseph got his goal. When we went one nil down in that, it felt a bit poisonous. But then we got a quick reply, and then um, were maybe a bit unlucky to not get get a win in that, based on more so on the stats and possession and everything else. But it didn't feel like we overly bossed that game at all. Thinking back, um, Palace lost two nil. Not a bad game, but it didn't look like Palace had to get into gear, really. And then once they scored, that was it. Um, Cheltenham was uh, the win that we got away. It's a bit of a strange one, wasn't it? Because, again, didn't feel... I was listening into this whilst I was in um, at Spa at the Grand Prix. So I had weird, like, dual concentration. But um, it didn't feel like we were playing, again, particularly well. But I guess it was a good good result to get over the line and we had a Boding got sent off didn't he and then um we still managed to push on and and get the win but it was a grind you know it wasn't a vintage yeah. performance we ground that out of the, the sort of themes emerging across the games it was they were not a particularly great team we knew what they were going to be before we even turned up it was just sort of defend deep look for balls down the side of our three kind of simple stuff and we didn't seem to be able to say well we've got three technically brilliant midfielders who can't get a hold of this and we just can't find a way to actually get fluidity into our way of playing and like you say ground it out and um i mean brannigan scored a brilliant oh god i forgot about that free which i haven't I i don't recall seeing one of them from him before it was a proper sort of bent it top right sort of thing curl more than power um, wasn't it like rolled to him? Yeah, well? it was a golden oh, rhythm. It's Bolden. absolutely. There's, so there was a shot, wasn't there, from the fans? Like yeah. directly behind it. And it was just a perler. It was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, and then Brannigan, we get a penalty in it. I guess it's in a different time. It's a 
an away win that we take every day of the week. But it it was just it was the, the sort of the emergence of these kind of themes of, of just the way we were playing just didn't feel right. Didn't Cheltenham? Cheltenham just didn't seem great as a side, as if they had much to offer. But you can't. I guess like the maybe the way we we're playing was was forcing that. But um, they haven't done well since really. So doesn't look like they're going to have a great a great time this season. Um, played late in Orient in the Pizza Trophy. A nice um, nice five nil win. I haven't even seen any of the goals from that game. I just um, kind of forgot that happened to be honest. But um, played a strong team, Jack, didn't we? Yeah, we went pretty full strength, which was to our cost as it ended up injuring Taylor. Taylor, yeah. Um, Leighton Orient changed a lot and I mean, at least a couple of our goals were from set pieces where they just couldn't de- defend. So you kind of glaze over that one a little bit. It was nice to score five goals and you think, oh, maybe it gives us a bit of a kick up the proverbial. But um, when you move on to the Burton game, which was a bit of a unnecessary struggle I think yeah I saw Burton home I saw in the notes that God started and it just it took me a couple of minutes to work out Odonka Gatlin Odonka God think, is that what we call him I think I just wanted to be able to say thoughts on God and then yeah okay. open opens it up to a theological section in the pod um, how I listen I I couldn't watch so I listened to this one but um it sounded like he got he was causing them a lot of hassle early on, Odonka, but more so kind of winning free kicks and should have been getting them booked, but wasn't, and other bits and pieces, but not as effective perhaps with the ball. I think the the biggest debate from Burton is not that was that the worst, even worse performance from Burton than we've seen in the last few recent times, but did Carl Joseph mean to do what he did for his goal? Did he mean to meg the keeper, or did he actually aim to go in the bottom right? Oh, uh, he he's actually not not meaning to meg the keeper. We we talked about this afterwards, didn't we? Because I, uh, I thought there was a there was a oh no, he definitely meant it. Crowd, and I was like, no way. Okay, maybe this isn't. You don't game. risk that, do you? As a striker, there's no there's no chance you aim at directly at the only thing that's blocking the not, goal. Not with your body opening up that wide either. Like there was no way he was trying to put that. No, I thought legs. that was going to be like one. One of us would be like, no, no, definitely. Yeah. Isn't he all... left-footed though? So it was with his right foot, I think, when he finished it. Yeah, it was with his right. Mistaken. So you know, hit the target. I mean, KR Sorry. after that was it was I think it was the start of the kind of KR interview downfall. This one, if memory serves, just sort of very much kind of well, he was. I mean, it wasn't the downfall because he didn't say anything ridiculous because we'd won, but. He sort of was starting to kind of get the kind of player protection barriers up for sure. Yeah. Well we didn't he basically said we didn't play well, it wasn't pretty. Um Yeah. It is it was did they obviously got one back and then we didn't it didn't feel like we were under too much pressure in that, but again, like great it was a weird feeling, wasn't it, to have two wins in a row or three wins if you include the pizza pot surprise. But it didn't feel like that, did it? Like you yeah, kind of that, felt a really like good you point. kind of cheat, cheated your way through the games, and you knew what was coming. Like you knew that Plymouth's coming, and then you're not gonna that ride is gonna end. Like I'd absolutely no. To be fair, the Plymouth first half was kind of we started first ten minutes was bad, 
and we they'd they'd created endless chances first five ten but then we settled into the game and actually we looked pretty good um running up until half time and i think that was the best i've come seen us play even though it was still a bit disjointed i still thought um, that, i thought the midfield was still having i remember countless huge gaps that were sort of how on earth has that happened and you saw you saw a team who was beyond comfortable in their system kind of everyone moving in relative harmony and we competed definitely i don't disagree um but then i think plymouth when we got the ball plymouth got back into shape so quickly and we were like okay what do we do with this and it was still that unfamiliarity they had a winger didn't they that was just tearing us apart on the right hand side forget what the other what's his name mumba mumba that was it he was just um is putting people on their asses constantly through that game. And he still had that energy right, you know, right the way through towards the end. So there was a moment in the Plymouth game which rather summed up the situation we found ourselves in. James Henry picked the ball up in about 30 yards of space on the right wing as a right wing back. And rather than taking the ball to the byline and looking to cross into the box, he cut back and played a pass back to Finley over 20 yards. We went from midway inside the Plymouth half to on the centre circle of our own half. And you just thought this rather sums up our performance tonight that we've had the ball quite a lot and not really created anything. But then actually the Joseph chance that he contrived to miss somehow was probably one of the best bits of play in the entire game. Yeah, it was long and, down the right, wasn't it? And then crossed yeah. in and then, yeah. But you'd, even the team selection for that game was strange. You'd, you'd, you'd beaten Burton, granted it was... A, 10 days before because of the um, Queen postponement. But Odonka got bombed out of the squad entirely. You brought Seddon back in at wing-back, having been injured. Bate stayed in. And there's another discussion point. Bate is still finding his feet as well. Bowden played up top. So even every game, as much as there is a general theme, there's been a lot of chopping and changing in this, what we we seem happy with, the 3-5-2 at the minute. But the wing backs have been different. The second strike has been different. The midfield has been different. The centre backs have changed. It, I mean, it's, thought, it's, it's, it's a mess within a mess. I thought that second half was one of the worst performances I've seen from us for a for a, a long while. It was just, I mean, if you remember how woeful Plymouth's finishing was as well. I mean, it could have been five, four or five. They, they scored a half chance really from the edge of the box, but they had multiple. Really good chances before that, didn't they? And, I think yeah. that, and that's what prompted a lot of the raging KR's comments because, you know, saying after 70 minutes it was really even other than their set plays, you know, probably the better team. We didn't really deserve to get much from that game. I mean, if we'd nicked a draw through the Joseph chance, then it would have been exactly that. Um, yeah. After they scored on seven, they scored in, wasn't it like 70 minutes or something? Yeah. yeah. So they, they scored. There was 20, 25 minutes left to include injury time. We did absolutely, absolutely nothing, nothing, did we? Yeah. Like we? We couldn't fathom a chance and not one. It was worth it. It was a really strange. And I saw one of you put in the notes the piece around, and I think it happened, definitely happened first half as well. But how they marauded down the left hand side, their striker would make quite a slow meander into the. There's yeah. also meandering going on in this game. He would make a slow kind of waltz, I'll call it, into the box and then just kind of pointing his feet 
and it would just be played relatively low, straight to the striker's feet, and he's kind of then looking around at who he can lay it off to to make charge. But they did it. It happened like three or four times within about twelve minutes, and you're yeah, thinking, in, how's in that? Half. Yeah, in, in the second half, it similar thing was happening with the right back. He would just sort of pop it into the one of their two cent strikers would just drop off. Right back would just play it into his feet, and then off they went. And we don't do simple things like that when we're playing kind of the same system as they do. If, yeah, if Plymouth hadn't had, had an obsession with trying to curl a ball in from just outside the box and actually fathomed a, a proper chance, so to speak, they could have been well out of sight by half-time. I'm just looking here, they had 22 shots, but only five of them were on goal, and obviously they scored one. You know, yeah. we on another day, if they'd have not tried to score worldies every two minutes, they'd have been well clear. I just, yeah, the, the KR interview afterwards as well. Um, I, I still kind of agree that for a large part of the first half, we were very, we were kind of competitive, even though we weren't creating that many chances. Um, yeah, for, a, for an away performance in our, and that was our hardest game of the season so yeah. far. They were riding up in third or fourth, you, weren't they? Or yeah, you're, you're absolutely right for the first half. Um, yeah, so then, so that game plays out again on paper doesn't look as bad as it probably was there are 22 shots in that game <laughs> um i know what jack said like five on target but yeah if they'd been a bit more clinical it might have felt very different um and then obviously M- we go to the mk game at home they've had a worse start than us surprisingly to the season um obviously off the back of their kind of playoff exploits ex- exploits do they lose they beat didn't they beat Plymouth five nil or something? Wasn't that where Twine scored? Oh no, that was the um, that was the last day of the season. Last day of the season, playoffs, yeah. and then who, what happened in the playoffs? They lost. They lost to Sunderland. No, Wednesday. No. Who? What? You kind of repressed yeah, right. Sunderland. Sunderland, yeah. Sunderland yeah. yeah. I don't remember that game. I remember the Wednesday. No, it was Wickham. It was Wickham. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. no, no, it was Wednesday. <laughs> it was Wednesday. Did no? Sun? No. Did... I'm going to shut up because I've said it's both. Sheffield Wednesday definitely beat Sunderland. Sorry, it's Sunderland. Boy, Sunderland, Sunderland definitely beat Sheffield Wednesday. No, Sheffield Wednesday played Milton Keynes in the first in the semis. That's what I'm trying to remember. Do you remember because they scored? Didn't Bannon score from the halfway line? Do you not remember? Bannon, they went 3-0 up inside like in the first half at the MK Stadium and then MK got a goal or two back maybe in the first leg. This feels important. I'm curious now. I think it goes into we'll find out afterwards. 3-1. No, this is important. No. <laughs> Milton first... Keen, after aggregate, Milton Keynes lost 2-1 to Wickham. Sunderland what? beat Wickham in the final. Wickham, yeah. What game am I thinking? Was am I just thinking of a generic game that was on TV <laughs> when Wednesday played Milton Keynes? I think so, because Sunderland scored really late at Hillsborough to put themselves in the final. <sighs> Tip Manor podcast. Okay. Um. Anyway, MK aren't very good. Yeah, Milton Keynes have had a shit start of the season. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going. Even if we, even if I got that right. I think it was more saying, look at the big collapse they've had. Um, they've obviously lost Twine. They lost Darling. 
centre-back as well. And they lost... Who else did they lose? They lost Troy, one other. Troy Parrott. It looks like sort of four or five sort of heavy-duty loan players. Yeah. But still tipped to, to do pretty well this season. Um, yeah, and still playing MK, sort of ultimate football but with no ultimate players. Didn't it. feel as ultimate, though. They, they slow, definitely slower weren't. ultimate. It was slower ultimate. Yeah, more basic. Yeah. My man Lewington was back in. Um to the side. I found I found it funny when Nick Harris kept referring him referring to him as Ray. <laughs> Jerome's like, it's not Ray. Um anyway. But yeah, how how do people Jack, John, anyone, how how did you generally think that this game went? Because um for me it kind of played out how I how I thought it was going to. First well, half think- actually we were quite competitive, weren't we? It was just a very even, pretty shit game. I think we touched on it when you asked me earlier when you saw that formation and that lineup. Did you think it was going to be a good day? And I, we t- for whatever reason we just can't. Things aren't clicking. It all looks a little bit strained, as in they're almost they're in that 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 behaviour where they're almost trying too hard to be better that they do the simple things not very well. Um, Again, yeah. the, but the Bowden further forward experiment kind of looks good and then doesn't, and then he looks a little bit lost, and then he gets in the way of Brown a little bit, and it just felt, it just all feels a bit tangled, and no one's really quite sure who's supposed to be taking it by the scruff of the neck. I don't see why you can't, why we couldn't have. I don't, I don't get why we were persisting with the five. I don't know we're going back to old ground already, but like I don't see why he couldn't have tried to play back to that kind of four two three one do something narrow and have McGuane further up play Henry and Bowden in roles behind Joseph, just something to mix it up because I just on paper that the team just looked imbalanced and your for it felt like that's more of a forcing people to do stuff they're not comfortable with rather than trying your best to like, you could still build a back four out of, you know, put Kieran Brown in left back, have Finley and Messino in the middle and put Long right back. Like that's perfectly fine for a back four, you know, when, and then you kind of craft the team ahead of them. And I think it would have made more sense. But John, don't know. Yeah, there was times like we just, we just looked like we were trying to work out the wing back system as we were playing it. And I think you just saw, MK were just able to box us in with minimal effort and equally just drop into a call it a low block or whatever you want to pretty easily as well just to sort of the fact that you then have you'd have McGuane and Brannigan just kind of sat there going look no one's moving I can't find an option in front of me um, part of it I just think with the midfield is that if you look at McGuane Brannigan and Bate they're almost too similar in a way they're all playmakers and you just can't, part of me wonders whether they are sort of, they all want to take a touch, all want to look up, all want to find that pass. And I just think they just need to move the ball, do, do, do those simpler things a bit quicker. Um, yeah. Jack, Jack, are you any close to knowing what bait is? No. And obviously for MK, he dropped out of the side again. So I don't, I don't see where Bate and, and Goran, as we've touched on, kind of 
get a run in the side going forward. If, when Moore, Murphy, Taylor, etc. are back, we, we maybe switch away from a five. Because Brannigan and McGuane are going to be in midfield two for the season, you would assume, if they stay fit. So, if you're changing the formation, you want your third midfielder to be a bit more Bowden-esque or Henry-esque. And Bate, is he a holding player? Is he an attacking 10? Is he an eight? Is he a... All the rest of it. He just looks a little bit lightweight for this level. Yeah. He kind of feels like he's there if Brannigan and McGuane can't play. He's one of them again. Uh, I still think as well, Brannigan and McGuane sometimes get in each other's way a little bit. Especially when Brannigan, when things aren't going well, Brannigan drops deep and he wants to get the ball and that's that's fine. Other times you just want him further up the pitch. And uh, we were struggling do you, to know do what you think, doing there. Do you think we've been spoiled a bit by some of our centre midfield loan signings from higher division clubs? When you think back to like, well, I know Brannigan wasn't alone, but then you've got like Lunny, Ledson, I feel like even to the point of what was that guy with the terrible attitude from um, Arsenal? Um, Dan Crowley. Dan Crowley. Like just, I, I feel like sometimes when you, when we signed Bate, I was like, ah, oh, he hasn't got many minutes or too much kind of football, football league experience, but he's going to have that swag and that confidence that he is better than this level and he'll run games and he'll do it. But, you know, because of his stature and stuff, you assume... Bate- He's not going to offer the physical things. So he's going to be mega tidy on the ball, mega good distribution and everything else. But maybe it's too early to judge him and he, he has to force his way into the team and he, prove he, it. He feels a bit like one that we got wind of, Leeds would let him come to us and he was quite interested in coming to us. So we signed him, but without a real plan for what his role in the side was going to be. Because by that point, we decided that McGuane was going to be the holding player. So you'd assume that Bate then plays alongside Brannigan, but that's rarely happened. He's played, he started two league games, I think, and then got dropped at the weekend. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of them where if McGuane's holding, you only want three in midfield, you're probably going to end up putting Bowden or someone else back there rather than getting him in the side. But I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, anyway, so we we go in at halftime, 1-0 down. They scored just before... Half time is a bad time for us. And we were unlucky to probably go. I think a draw would have been probably fair. And maybe we, we just about edged it. We hit the post twice, didn't we? In the same moment. Um, or bar and post, yeah. And then um, second half, again, not much not much really played out. Was there any chances of note? Not really cool. It was just that, that lack of impetus again. And MK weren't controlling it. They were doing... They were doing their their way of playing quite well, but they were playing within themselves reasonably. Yeah. Um. And then Will Grigg runs, runs, comes on, runs in on goal, taken down by Eastwood, scores the penalty. The MK Dons throughout the whole game were we have we should have referenced this really, but in that what's that kind of it's like gallows humor, isn't it? Where they're just kind of we've had a shot, and then they had a shot on target, and they sang about that. And they scored a goal. And there was lots of how shit must you be? We scored a goal or we're winning away. Um, but there's nothing where it feels horrendous as the opposition. It feels a bit early for them to be going in on that. Yeah, I mean, um, it's not like they've been... They had a brilliant last few years. And I guess we could kind of say the same about ourselves. But 
it seems a bit hard to be already like destroying the team in front of you for stuff like that. Yeah, but it did make me feel worse. So if that's what the effect they wanted to have, uh, it worked because you know I don't know. Um, anyway, another defeat, and it kind of puts us in this kind of weird, not great position, nineteenth uh, in the league. Um, after nine games, and when you when you actually look at the league table now, we've played a lot of the teams in and around us. So Milton Keynes have just leapfrogged us. Uh, two of our three victories, we've obviously beaten Cheltenham, who are below us, Burton Albion, who are rock bottom of the league, Hasselbank obviously resigned as well, didn't he, uh, straight after the game, or two a couple of days later. Um, and we've lost to Bristol Rovers, who are below us. So they've only got two wins out of their nine, and one of them was against against us in a game which we were just rubbish in again. And then we drew, drawn with Morecambe at home, who were just similar to Burton, one win out of their nine games, but they, they held us to a draw. It's not so it's not looking it's back to the point I was making around this lineup that we've got that we're putting out. It's kind of we're able to compete against the teams that are down there. Yeah. Um, and, but, and but we're losing to some of them as well. Absolutely. And broadly, previous seasons where we've had as bad a starts, we were playing much better teams. I think one season we played Peterborough twice in the sort of call it the first ten games, and we played other teams that would you would deem top teams Plymouth were the only one that we've played so far that were rolling away with it and you would take us a tough game yeah but we've only every game we've lost has only been by one goal as we said hence Eastwood in the box every match um, and then the others were what Plymouth Derby and Lincoln the defeats um, didn't Lincoln have a ridiculous result this weekend yeah they beat Bristol Rovers 6-3 it's another twist in this kind of stuck type example because we are clearly going for to be more defensive this season generally and that was and then you know there was, there was all these kind of xg stats knocking around that i don't really understand saying pointing that out that we were more defensively better and all that sort of stuff um but then you throw in the fact we've kind of gone in a different direction with the wingers we we sign will that mean when they're fit again, we go back to a different way of actually we're going to score more, like like we did last season. It's yeah, only one team in the league has scored less than us in nine league games, and that's Morecambe with six. So that's that's uh, if someone told you that after nine games, that would be where we're at. It's you know you'd be very upset. Um, and also, Jack, I don't know what you think, but obviously I mentioned it, but we've lost those five games by one goal. But it doesn't feel like we warranted a draw. You know, we deserved a draw from any well, of them either. Because usually you'd say, oh, we've been unlucky. We deserved more. Derby's probably the only one. Derby was close. Yeah, but but then you also think in those games, so Derby, we went behind, then didn't fashion a chance after going behind. Mm. Plymouth, we went behind. Yes, there was a Joseph miss, but that was it. Um, MK, we got a goal back, but would have probably robbed a point. Bristol Rovers, from memory, we did not a lot in that game at all. Lincoln, similar. Like we, Whereas last season, we were kind of smashing the door down and coming back to draw 2-2, win 3-2. This year, when we've been behind, we've just kind of, the game's just kind of petered out a little bit. There's been, we've not sat there watching games thinking, we're going to get back in this, we're going to get back in this. It's yeah. been a little bit of that, 
the word we used right at the start, a bit of apathy, like, oh, well, that's 1-0, right, next week then. And that, so, and that, is, and that is slightly where the injuries does come, is a reasonable enough thing where you've oh, got, yeah, got the, nothing. Oh, yeah, the strength of the bench. Yeah, you've got nothing there. But, you know, that I don't want to sort of bang on about the injuries. <laughs> who, do you, who do you blame for that, though, John? Like, the inju- this is, it's back to the point I, I never really kind of concluded before. The 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 team the team we're putting out is not good. The bench is not is not good. We can't like deal with these matches, and we we're not creating anything. And we with second lowest scorers in the league. But is this is it KR? Is it the board? Is it? Do we worry about this? Like, I don't know how to feel because I'm looking at the lineup, being like, this is a pretty shit team. We're probably not going to get a result here. The, the 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 criminal thing for me is we did not fill our squad cut. We used 19 of our 22 permitted outfield over 21 players. Within that 19 is included Jody Jones, who's played, what, six league minutes. So you arguably at 18 players. So you've got four gaps of outfield players. And yes, we've got injuries, but you get injuries all the time throughout the season. Yes, we've had five at once or whatever, but there are the big gaps there that we've already discussed. And the fact is we seemingly didn't get enough bodies in anyway. So, John, done, the injuries thing, though, are you riding the in- Do you accept the injuries thing? Or do you look at the depth in the squad and the quality there and the gaps and just think, actually, Carl, this is kind of... I'm not trying to put you into one camp or the other. I'm just... <laughs> I, take, I can't work out yeah. how I feel about it. I take issue with how the team is playing now, regardless of the injuries. Um, it is interesting that we took a deliberate change in tack. And this almost comes back to the thing about the, the top 30 comment is that we decided, we've clearly decided we're going to go with, we're not going to go with the Nathan Hollands of the world that are semi-unproven and young flying winger. We're going to go out there and sign names and in inverted commas that have done it at the championship, but are only available because they're a little bit injury. They're an injury risk. So you're either going to get a phenomenal player for a season or you're going to get an injury or you're going to get somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of understand that. And that may be, that may be direction from the board or a feeling of it's not quite worked to got us over the line the last few seasons. We need to mix it up and change it. And we need to bring in, try this approach to it. So I don't know, but part, I feel it's kind of, there should be, we should be able to play within, you, you adapt a team to what injuries you, you have. The fact that the Jones, Jones seems to be a bit of a saga. Murphy, there's something funny going on because he sort of signed and he was like, oh, he's nearly ready. And then he's off the off the grid. The Yannick one was just, that's unlucky. Um, and the Brown one is also unlucky to a degree. So I, I don't I don't really know. It's a hard one to answer because it's not as simple as like, oh, well, why have we signed these Crocs? Because, you know, it's obvious they're going to get injured. Well, it isn't obvious they're going to get injured. They all get they all go through the same stuff before they get signed. But yeah, there, is a, there is a gamble. There's a much bigger gamble in them, but for a possible bigger reward. So... I can't pardon me, like Jack says, I still don't wonder why we didn't try and it's not always easy to get a a, a lonely winger in at the last minute. Probably a tough sell. And maybe I'm just spitballing a bit. But um mm. I also think it, it's I just think it's ridiculous for us to sit here and go, Oh, well, when we get the injured players come back, everything will be great. Well it's not they're not gonna have you, that much impact. That's then, the thing. On on the back of the MK game, again where the flood of calls came in. I forget who what one of the callers. There was a lot of calls that were just like, Acewood's to blame for everything. 
and other things like that. But then you get um, someone called in and then was mentioning stuff like when the injured players start coming back, they're not going to all be ready at the same time. And then they're going to start dripping into this team low on confidence with a confused setup and a lack of identity. And it's going to take... I'd be surprised if suddenly we're... Because, again, the three wins we've had, as we've said, Cambridge, Cheltenham, Burton, all by one goal and narrow wins where we didn't really deserve... You know, we're relatively a bit lucky, especially Cambridge. And um, you just got to think that... it's not going to suddenly turn, is it? Brown, Brown's the only one that I would put in that camp of possibly could come back and hit the ground running because he's pretty familiar with the surroundings, the team. But Sam Baldock's not going to come back and sort of all of a sudden be transformative. He'll be like, he'll need four or five games to get up to speed, all that sort of thing. So I don't think at Charlton, if some of them are available, things that massively change at the moment. And they Great should segue. Be, and they should be. <laughs> and they should be. Um, when is Charlton away? Because Fleetwood's been was Fleetwood meant to be this weekend coming? Yeah. So it's Charlton following Tuesday or Saturday. It's Saturday, isn't it? Saturday, Saturday the first. That's miles away. <laughs> nice. Well, people can have a long time to look so forward to it. T- we're taking stock now before we. Yeah. Uh, and just calming down. <laughs> Jack Charlton, what have we got to look out for? Um. Well, they're five places above us which sounds a lot, but they've only got one point more and they've actually won less games than us this season. Um, but they haven't lost at home yet. So, you know, this is the classic, oh, well, they're not very good, but actually they've not lost at home. They beat Derby. They beat Plymouth 5-1, which just seems an absolute freak result. Didn't um, um, Sean Clare score in that? He might well have yeah, done. Yeah. And speaking of, speaking of Sean Clare, he's apparently fans' favourite at right-back. And yes, that's at right back and was linked with a move away in the transfer window to a higher level. So he's transformed himself seemingly. Not so I can't really. wait for great right back. You guys I can't, can't believe. I can't wait for the man of the match performance and Yellow's forum to be why did KR let him go? Because you know full well that's what will happen. Um but I think their best player is Raksaki, who's on loan from Crystal Palace, who we were linked with for the entirety of the summer, it felt. Yeah. Um he seems to like a, sh- a shot, actually. He's had, he's, had a, he's had 18 shots in seven games, which seems quite a lot for a winger. Nice. Um, so I think he's one to look out for. Um, they've still got Jack Payne and Jake Foster-Kasky um, amongst their squad. It's like the same player, twice. They just remind me of each other. Foster-Kasky yeah, was much better than Jack Payne. Much really? Better. Yeah. Payne's been around, hasn't he? He's been around hasn't a he? lot. He was at Swindon yeah. and he was, Brad- he was Bradford before that and... Yeah, he, he, he does go around. They've, they've also still got Jaden Stockley, who I always thought was a pretty good striker for this level, but he doesn't seem to have got going um, so far. They signed Conor McGrandles from Lincoln in the summer, which I thought was a great midfield signing. I'd have taken him at Oxford. So they've got, on paper, as, as we like to say, they've got quite a good squad, but for whatever reason, it's not clicking. And actually, having spoken to a couple of Charlton um fans that I know semi-well, they sound quite a lot like us in that it's all a bit disjointed. They're kind of caught between styles. They've only kept one clean sheet. That's the same as us, isn't it? One clean sheet. Yeah, one clean sheet. Um, They failed to bring in another striker, which they probably needed. So there's a a lot of similarities, I think. So it's one of those games that could be horrendous for both sets of fans. Yeah, I can absolutely see it playing out like that. 
could we have we given well you hope we've got some players back right well that seems to be the wording that the four who were before january will all be possibly available for charlton but then like we just said they're not all going to walk straight into the side and turn us into brazil so I think there's too much pressure being put on this. Oh, well, the injured players are back soon and everything's going to be rosy because that just doesn't happen, does it? Yeah. I like that you put the recent results down. Um, I don't remember that Charlton near Walks with McElhenney goal. 1-0, February 2017. He he was on a run of scoring like games and he was just knocking them in from, from all angles. If had, had some good results there. Obviously, the 3-2... Don't have to think too much about that one. I remember that white goal in the one-all draw. That was absolute. Do you remember? It was class. Piled it in top corner, and then um, that game last year was ridiculous, wasn't it? Didn't Claire get sent off as well? Or was that was that last year? Yeah, yeah, that was last year. Claire got sent off for having a bit of a go at Taylor on the floor. But that that was where Baldock and Taylor looked like. Yeah. the best strike partnership you've ever seen. Oh and I, I, I'd love us to get back to a point where they can play together, both fully fit. But I think it's going to be a while before they're both fully fit and able to play together. And by that time, we're going to be 20 games into the season. That um, that Brannigan goal as well at the end. That was Bulldog's first goal for us, wasn't it? Where he cut in from yeah, the left was... and then swung it in. And then, but Brannigan's goal was an absolute... Perler as well, wasn't it? As class. Oh look, we've all got smiles on our faces now, thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I just started thinking about because hadn't we been at James at Accrington away like a couple of weeks before that in the rain? <laughs> Absolutely distraught. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, but Baldock had just he came on in that game, and we thought actually he's got something about him, even from just that situation. And then he went on to to do this. I think I had a bad season last season. Like you know. The year before, I think pretty much all the games I went to were either drawn or won. But then last year, I just picked. I remember Lincoln away. But then you were, I th- you were very angry and drunk after the Lincoln game that you. Oh, it was just awful. But then the um, what was it? The Wednesday the Hillsborough. I'd probably taken that to be fair for that moment. The James Henry goal at Hillsborough was uh, yeah, I'll probably take the other games for that. Um. Are we kind of out of this, uh, just looking ahead at fixtures? So we've got, got Charlton and then it's not it's not easy, is it? So we've got in October, um, we then Wickham at home, extra away. How are Exeter doing? Not too smart or? Not terribly. Uh, similar to us. Yeah, right. not, yeah. Okay. It's, that, it's that Peter reports with Bolton from the end of the month. <laughs> yeah. That's... You know, we can't go in. We can't go into those three playing like we are now, or else it's. I hate. I hate that people try and they seem to be desperate to write seasons off before they've barely had any games played. But you know that would be. You could. Get I mean, it could. We. It could. You, you know, it really could be though, couldn't I it? I mean, yeah. the, if you take the table as a whole, it's quite clear that there's almost the top four who we are pulling away a little bit. Top five. But then there's only four points between 7th and 19th. Like, it feels like there's a lot of teams on a similar level this year. And even more so than previous seasons, if you put a run together, you're going to throw yourself into the mix. Like, Derby have failed to impress massively, but they're, you know, sitting in and around the playoffs. Barnsley are similar. Um, But everyone else, Peterborough, a 10th. 
you know, Charlton are above us, but won't have won less games. There's a lot of teams who are just not not really started properly. Yeah. Um, we should have finished when we were reflecting on the happy Charlton <laughs> game, shouldn't we? I'm feeling worried again now. Um, it is just gonna it's gonna be very interesting to see what I'd like to see what our team looks like on like Boxing Day when you assume most players are back. It's really exciting to see um, Wild Shart, as I'm going to call him, because he just literally looks like a player. Um, we had, when was the last time we had what like a beastly winger? Isn't he like six foot two or something? He just looks like he'll ride uh, Accrington away on a Tuesday night. He, he was ridiculous he apparently in the thirty minutes he he managed. What in the preseason game at Wimbledon? Yeah, just to say that powerful winger and just dancing. Players. I just loved. To, I'd love. Yeah, I was really excited when we signed him. I was straight on YouTube looking as much. Well, that's what that's what we want as fans, isn't it? A winger who's just gonna be just take people on, like just head down, go get home. Marcus Brown does it, but he's a bit more finessey, isn't he? It's a it's a knock the ball with the outside of his foot and go around the other side. Whereas a head down, get the crosses in winger is um, quite is much more entertaining. I think. Yeah. They've still got train strikes for the 1st of October, Jack. Yes, train update. they have. Um, so... Okay. I'm not going to be able to get to a game until Bolton away, I don't think. They backloaded Northern away games this season. Anyway, this is prime content for Halder. Unless you're a Northern-based listener, then you don't care. Um, all right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. As Jack predicted, you know, 1 hour 22, it's been a... It's been a long old slog, but you know, we haven't done one for a while, so lots to fit in. We only spent like five minutes actually talking about the football matches and we're still here at an hour and a half later. There you go. Um, all right. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, John. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks or so. Ta-ra.